Sandra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast where we are reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And this is episode 46, where we're talking about Educated by Tara Westover and The Idiot by Elif Bataman. Can we just take a moment to appreciate the irony of those book titles? <laughs> I know. I didn't, I didn't notice it until I was working on the notes this afternoon, and I was like, oh, that's funny. I didn't notice like, either, and I was like, ha, 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 ha. Okay. Yeah, you just have to have a little nerd moment, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I feel like the protagonist of The Idiot would appreciate this title of this episode. I think so. So as you all know, this month we are doing audiobooks. Last year we did co-host Choice, and this year we decided that since we listened to so many audiobooks that we wanted to share the good news of audiobooks with other people who haven't maybe aren't as familiar with them, are kind of afraid to try them, aren't sure what to do about them. But if you've listened to this this show for any period of time, you know we do listen to a lot of audiobooks. Yeah, yeah. I actually looked up some of my stats uh, a while back, and I, it was like between sixty-five and seventy-five audiobooks last year. Wow, I really enjoy them. And on my booktube channel, I'll actually link this video down below. But I talk about um, how I was first an audiobook listener because I have chronic daily headaches and migraines, and sometimes, well, a lot of times, <laughs> reading print it just is migraine causing. So I did a lot of audiobooks, and in grad school, I listened to a lot of audiobooks for my assignments, and I it worked out. So, And for me, I like listening to audiobooks because I can do them while I'm driving or while I'm working on stuff around the house. I also like to do craft projects and things and sew things and stuff so I can listen to audiobooks while I'm doing that. So I don't have to choose. I can read and I can have my other things that I have to do. Yeah, and honestly, it's one of the most relaxing things ever is to just listen to an audiobook and do something fun. So I work on my bullet journal sometimes, or I play video games or different things, and just getting that mental space is so relaxing. It really is. And as we mentioned a little bit in the last episode too, if you have someone who, like the author's reading a book or someone who does really great Voices, or if you're reading a translated book and someone who speaks that language is narrating it, then you it really adds a whole new level of experience to the book. It really does, and it has a level of authenticity. I know one of my favorite books uh, is The Roundhouse by Louise Erdrich, and it's narrated by a First Nations man, um, and it's about and the book is about a Native American family. So it just adds another layer of authenticity. Yes. If you're first starting yeah. out with audiobooks, I would highly recommend trying out children's audiobooks or maybe something a little lighter, um, maybe something you've already actually previously read and loved, so that if you one miss something. It's not a big deal because you already know the plot. Or two, if you're doing a children's audiobook, your listening comprehension can catch up with your reading comprehension. Because it is a muscle. And the more audiobooks you listen to, the better your comprehension gets. I totally agree with that. Please don't start with Anna Karenina. Yeah, don't. That's just, just death. Don't. No. 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 <laughs> and don't start with Boxer, please. <laughs> I had to do Boxer from the side. I read the, the, the Octopus by Frank Norris. <laughs> a Boxer and like every other chapter was a different narrator. And I was like, oh, okay. This is what we're doing now. A great way to find audiobooks for free is through your local library. So Overdrive has a lot of audiobooks for free, as does Hoopla has a lot of audiobooks for free. So you can kind of get your feet wet and test out a few before you sign up for maybe something like Scribd or Audible or something like that. I mean, we both love our 
libraries and the online resources that we have. And it's usually like, okay, let's scroll through all the different libraries and see if we can find this audiobook. I know that my Greenville Library, we don't have Overdrive audiobooks, but we do have RB Digital, which has a lot of uh, different audiobooks. They usually get Allie Smith on audio, which is amazing. On I love her on audio. Mm-hmm. She's, She's just a dream. So there's She's lots of resources out there for you if you want to listen to audiobooks. So with that said, can, shall we talk about our first book? Yes, I'm very excited to talk about this. The first book we're going to talk about is The Idiot by Edith Bottomon. It is published by Penguin Press and it is narrated by the author. And the brief summary is that it's 1995, and a college freshman named Celine goes to Harvard. She starts her freshman year at Harvard. She signs up for classes very haphazardly. <laughs> um, she gets an email address, which is a, ends up being a big deal. Um, she takes this Russian class, which also is kind of a big deal. And we just kind of follow her through her first year of college. You know, summarizing that, it, it doesn't sound like much happens, and it doesn't, but yet everything happens. Like, everything and nothing happens. I, I don't know if it's because I graduated undergrad within a decade ago that I sorely relate to this, or if it's just because, you know, I am closer to her age. But I will say, anecdotally, more younger women are related to this book, and then a lot of older men have hated this book. Which, I mean, kind of makes sense. It does. I mean, we were, yes. we were talking to... I did read some reviews where people were saying that this book was pretentious. But compared to a lot of, like, coming-of-age school narratives written by... That are really popular, written by white men. I mean, those things... <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, those are pretentious. It's very much like, hey, look at me, how big deal, how important I am. And this is not that kind of book at all. Uh, Celine definitely like downplays herself. Um, she may probably to a fault. Um, she is a daughter of immigrants too, so there is that part of it. She's not privileged in any sort of way, even though she is at Harvard. You can definitely get the sense that she worked hard to get to where she is. So it's I I liked it. I thought it was fun. I I loved it. I loved it, and it's been very interesting because on a booktube, a lot of people are reading it because it was shortlisted for the Women's Prize, and mm-hmm. at this point, the prize hasn't been announced. But it's one of my favorites uh, to win, and I love watching. It's very polarizing, and I love watching different people's reactions. Some people say that they really hated it. A lot of people DNF'd it, and again, anecdotally, most of those are guys. But a lot of younger women have really loved it. And I think it's just a story about a woman's experience. And I think that oftentimes when reading books or reading, you know, capital L literature, we think that has to be about these big things. But her writing about everyday life, I feel like it's just so new and fresh and that it brings that freshness to the traditional quote unquote college story. I think so. And I think, too, as I pointed out in the last episode, not much goes on when you're 19. Like, no. no. So if, I, if I try to think back to my college freshman year, I don't really think anything happened. But it's still a time that I lived, and it's still a time that's really... I mean, I think your first year of college is really important because it's new and you're learning all kinds of things. It so also sucks because you're gr- a freshman. We're just, yes, just it does. Also, su- <laughs> yes, it, it does suck. And I think she shows that yes. as well in this book. So it's 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 great to share that for her to it's brave of her to have tackled this experience the way she did 
So you saw, we saw her at the Decatur Book Festival and I was holding the book to get it signed. And as she was talking, you reached over her and you grabbed the book and you just held it and was like, I'm taking this. <laughs> I'm reading this book. So from after seeing her, what did you think of the book when you read it? I think the thing is that it was better than I, it was definitely better than I thought it would be. Maybe because I'd read so many like strange reviews online about it, but I just love long books. And I love too. like, there's this one section section where the narrator, I guess it's Celine reads the story that they're reading in Russian class, which so it's really like this strange thing and like how her life kind of ends up sort of kind of paralleling what happens in that story. Uh, so it's really quirky and fun and went a place I never thought it would go. So it was great. It's very hard to describe how funny this book is. It is a comedic novel. And I feel like with comedy, it's either hit or miss. It's, yeah. it's very, comedy, I think, is very polarizing. And so with her comedy, I love her dry humor. I love the story about how this random Einstein poster gets put on the wall and then she has to like defend it, sort of, even though she's not yes. really the one that wanted to put it on the wall in the first place. And everyone's yeah. like, he was horrible to his wife and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And that's like one of those perfect freshman moments you get into where you're like trying to be cool and fit in and you end up still doing the wrong thing. Or at least that was my experience. So I think that was great. And we're not going to give any spoilers in this book. Um, this, the, if you're new to the podcast or haven't listened to these episodes, we're just going to talk about some of the big themes that we thought were important in the book. And one of the things I thought really stood out to me, and I was surprised that it was such a big theme, was language and how we use words. Did you notice that as well? I did. I did. I loved how she was learning Russian and how she would talk about the linguistic parts of Russian and like grammar and different things. Because even though I did study English, I am not a linguist. And so mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always learning grammar as like a second language, even English grammar. And so when she would talk about that, I definitely related to that. And then sitting around and her, all the ridiculous situations you get when you're trying to learn another language and you come up with random combinations or you miss a word and you say the wrong word and it ends up being really like awkward because you said this really... <laughs> strange right. thing i remember french class i was always so terrified of doing that and yeah but hers with russian it's like because she's also mimicking a russian novel and using the idiot the title of very famous russian novel to play mm -hmm. on that it's like very well done and very well crafted Celine also she speaks turkish or at least her family speaks turkish i think she doesn't speak it as much but early on in the book, I remember she explains one, I guess it'd be a mood that was in Turkish that's not in English, talking about how, like, if you use a certain tense when you're speaking Turkish, how it means something that you got the information secondhand. And that was just so fascinating to me. I'm like, as a word nerd, I'm like, this is so cool. But it also sets a, a tone for, like, the rest of the book about the information she hears and she gives and she gets and kind of like a metaphor or like a maybe metaphor is not the right word but like a foreshadowing of the miscommunications that happen when she's emailing this boy that she has a crush on from her russian class named ivan so i thought that was cool as well 
I really enjoyed her relationship with him and the whole email thing because when we were in college, Facebook Messenger had just happened. Yes. And Samuel and I, we were we figured out that we would always be on uh, between the hours of 11 and, and 12 or whatever, and it was kind of like an unspoken date. But it was always an awkward situation because we weren't actually dating, but yet we were responding. And the way she talks about how long she waits before she emails him back. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> well, the first time that Josh ever emailed me... I got the email at 2 a.m. and I waited until 9 a.m. the next morning to respond because I was thinking, wait, I can't respond immediately because that would be too weird. So she perfectly captures that in this book. Yeah, definitely. And how, like, she didn't know if they were dating technically or not and, like, how they move through their relationship in this undefined fashion. I definitely, I, I felt that because... Having, you know, done the whole college weird dating thing and I don't know, I just loved what she did with that. And even though they didn't officially start dating at this particular time, but she was still willing to go like do something like with him and different things. And oh my goodness, I was just like, you just need to have that talk, girl. You need to sit him down. (laughs) Yes, yes. But I think it's only been recently where I've, <laughs> unfortunately, that I figured out how to handle communications online. The struggle is really It is. In. And I really love how is. she exemplifies that with the rise of email. Like, there was nothing, there's no yes. knowledge of how this works. And it's a whole new landscape for communication. And so language and communication and how that affects her relationships is just all throughout the novel. It's really great. And I would say, too, like, as I'm, I think I mentioned this in the last episode as well, Roxane Gay has a great review of this book. Her perspective is just fantastic. So if you head over to Goodreads, you can see her review of this as well. But I, this was just delightful. I really enjoyed it. So if you've been on the fence about it, you might want to try the audio book of The Idiot by Elif Bataman. And that brings us to our sponsor spot, which is us, because it is Reading Women Month, and we wanted to tell you something special that we have for you, which is our bookstore. If you didn't know, we have an Etsy store, and we have a bunch of Reading Women swag um, and stickers and a bunch of different things, but this month, we have a 30% off discount on our blind book dates. And Autumn, you recently went and restocked on those. I did. I have a lot of great books in the stash now. Um, Let me just take a peek and see what I have. Oh, I have Allie Smith's Autumn, The Lonely Hearts Hotel by Heather O'Neill, Behold the Dreamers, Marlena, Goodbye Vitamin, Eleanor Oliphant, Boy Snowbird. So many great books I have in my stash to send out if you want to do a blind book date. And we really enjoy figuring out what the best book for you would be. So if you want to go on there and in the little notes, you you can tell us the three books that you most love recently or just three books that you really love recently or what you're looking for. Or if you're buying this for a friend, we could do that as well. And also if you include your Goodreads link, we can go look and try to make sure that we find something that is, is perfectly fit for you. And And we have had a great time uh, sending out these blind book dates. It's always fun to get together and, okay, what books have they read? And sometimes we'll be like, oh, what about this book? And we check their Goodreads and they gave it five stars. And we're like, well, at least we had that right track. We were were on the right track. At least we were in the right category. (laughs) Absolutely. So that's always fun. 
Uh, So we will have all of that linked in our show notes, and you'll definitely want to check that out. And this promotion is through the entire month of June, so you have until the 30th uh, to check that out, and we hope that you do. And our next book, discussion book, is Educated by Tara Westover, and this is out from Random House. And we picked this book because it was both on both of our TBRs, and I, re- I had originally seen it on the Booktornet, and then what convinced me to pick it up was an interview actually with Pamela Paul on the New York Times Book Review podcast with Tara Westover, and Pamela Paul just could not comprehend how Tara Westover had lived this life. And she would ask these questions, and Tara would just give her these very matter-of-fact answers. Yes, you know, this horse got away from me, and I was stuck in this stirrup, and my brother had to run up with this, his horse, who was not even trained at that point, and, like, rescue me. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on? And so I was like, I need to read this book. It sounds like a very fascinating book that I would love. And so I picked it up and discovered it is about uh, Tara's life growing up in rural Idaho. As we mentioned in the last podcast, uh, her dad has some form of bipolar disorder or some sort of mental illness, and that has manifested as his survivalist. So he believes the end times are coming, and they sock all kinds of things up, and uh, there's gas under the ground in their, near their house, and there's a junkyard and a bunch of different things. And then uh, he also has the extreme form of Mormonism. And so he uses that and is very emotionally abusive. And she also has a physically abusive brother who her family like tells her that it's not happening. Eventually, she does go to college and get a PhD in Cambridge after that. So a lot going on in this book. I feel like one of those things would have made a great memoir, but now we have like all of them. Right, right. So before we jump into this, Let's talk a little bit about the reviews a little bit more because I, well, this book kind of hijacked the books that we were originally going to read on this podcast for this (laughs) month, Um, (laughs) if you couldn't tell. (laughs) But there were a lot of people who said, like, I read some reviews who were saying, like, yeah, what you were saying about Pamela Paul, like, I can't believe this would happen to somebody. I've heard people say... I didn't know stuff like this still happened. I've also read a review in a national newspaper that was definitely like, look at how education saved this girl. And I just want to say that's not what this book is about. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's I, you know, Autumn and I both came from rural, like isolated communities. And so we wanted to read this book also because we felt like we could relate on that level of where we came from and that cultural aspect. And so when I read this book, I just thought it was amazing how hard that she worked and how she was able to do this. And I definitely related to all of her stories about coming out of a rural community and trying to adjust culturally to a different culture. Because growing up in Appalachia, it's like you have a very different culture. And she grew up on a mountain in Idaho. And when she came out and went to college, it was huge adjustment, not just because her family was the way it was, but because of the cultural differences. And she talks about that a little bit. So she has all of these different things going on. And I feel like it's important to note that they are like different aspects of the story rather than like, well, of course, everyone in the situation, you know, like all rural people are crazy, which obviously is not true. You know what I'm saying? Right. I agree. And I think too, something else we talked about in the in the weeks that we've been talking about this book is that a lot of dominant cultural narratives are city narratives so i think it's easy for people to forget that there are people in rural areas 
And so I appreciated, too, that this book kind of challenges that (laughs) only people live in cities because they don't. And even if it is a city, like the area that I grew up in, it was the third largest city in the state, but it was actually a small town pretending it was a city. So, (laughs) yeah, so I that's just important to note. Yeah, because I think one of the hardest things coping with this book isn't reading all of the difficult things that she's experienced. For me, it's been noting the reaction of different people to the book and how negative some of them are about how could she not know that her dad, like they use the word brainwashed a lot and they use the word like, how did she not know? Why wouldn't she just cut off family ties with her family? And I feel like they didn't even read the book because it's obvious that Tara is very fair with her family. I mean, she's a historian. She approaches her life like a historian, but she loves her family and she wants to make it work with them if at all possible. And I don't think people understand the power of family and love in that situation. Like, would you want to never talk to your parents again if you love them? Well, like, and she mentions at the end of the book, too. So she's from a family of seven kids and a lot of her siblings still work for her parents and still live at home. And live nearby, not at home, but they live nearby. And she was saying that, you know, it's harder for them to separate from her family because they can't get jobs elsewhere. And I think that's a key part to understanding this book is that, one, if it's the only reality you know, then you don't know that it's wrong until someone from the outside tells you that it is. And two, I think it is hard to make those separations, especially if your whole existence, food, clothing, shelter, depends on it. Definitely. So one of the things I wanted to talk about especially is educated versus intelligence. And I think especially when we talk about rural communities now and the political climate that we're in, we're talking usually about Appalachia and people throw around the words ignorant and different things and they don't really... Usually when I hear the word ignorant, I think stupid, like unintelligent, but actually it's just not educated. And the thing is, is that I saw a review that put it perfectly that her family borders between mad madness and genius because they're very intelligent. Her dad can build things and can plan for like, you know, the apocalypse, which he thinks is coming. And her mom is an herbalist and a midwife. They're very intelligent. They run their own business, but they're not educated in the grand course of, of things, you know, like they're not educated in the traditional sense in that they know how to survive on a mountain. Like I don't know how to survive on a mountain, right. but they do, but they haven't had an education on where they fit on the global landscape and a lot of different things. And so that's one of the things that Tara wants to address. And she talks about how her dad is able to do math in his head. Like complicated you know, math, like and, to build buildings, yeah. like figuring out angles and what walls can bear what loads and stuff like that it's high powered stuff i was like i don't even know what you're saying but i'm just gonna nod and like (laughs) right and like they she doesn't say explicitly but like i think he went to college i'm guessing he went to college they at least went to her parents at least went to high school i do know that And so, like we mentioned in the last episode, part of the survivalist part of uh, Tara's upbringing was that Tara wasn't allowed to go to public school, or and they definitely didn't go to hospitals um, because of her dad's survivalist beliefs. So she didn't get an education. And they said that they homeschooled her, but they didn't because they didn't do anything. They just said, here's a book. You should look at this book. And that was it. Like that, they didn't like do do much at all. They they knew how to read and do basic sums and different things. But that was that was it. And so when she wanted to go to college, 
she actually went and bought books from a money she had from a part-time job. So she went and she studied for the ACT and she had to get a 27. And on her second try, she got a 27 and she went to Brigham Young University without ever having gone into a classroom. And I think the thing that's also important to note, and I think I might have briefly mentioned it earlier, is that, again, she didn't. She had a lot of help. Like her brother helped tutor her. She had other people help tutor her to help her pass the ACT. Even when she got to Brigham Young, she had roommates who helped her and professors who helped her and encouraged her. So she didn't. It wasn't just book learning that helped her. Like she had a team of people who were supporting her and encouraging her and helping her along the way, which I think is really important to pay attention to. Because I remember reading your review, and I loved your point about how it's a disservice to her if we say that she's a genius and it just all fell into her lap because she was so smart, like she had some sort of magical power. Mm -hmm. But she really worked hard for this, and she talks about a lot of her financial problems and how she was struggling to keep up with her classes, you know, having never gotten an education. She learned about the Holocaust in college, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing, and she got ulcers because she was so stressed about trying to do all of these things and not having the background for it. She eventually, as we've mentioned, did go to Cambridge, and that's because she was on a uh, a study abroad program. She tried to hide the fact she didn't go to high school for most of her professors, but when she wanted to change her major to history, her history advisor basically got her in on this program to go to Cambridge to study because he saw that she was very, very intelligent. And so she went there and she made an impression on her advisor there at Cambridge, and he helped her get into an MA program there at Cambridge, and she eventually went on for a PhD. And she talks about her approach to Mormonism, and she grew up in a form of Mormonism that she realized at Brigham Young University isn't your typical uh, Mormon, we'll just say, um, delicately, <laughs> and she, and she wanted to write about Mormonism and how it affected the cultural thought. And so she actually did her dissertation on how Mormonism affected cultural thought, and she takes a very balanced approach to her religious past. And I feel like a lot of times it's like a losing your religion kind of memoir. And while she's no longer a Mormon, she still highly respects Mormonism and what it has done for her. That's one thing I also noticed about the book is that this could have been a very very angry book and with good reason i mean the things that happened to her are just they, they are unbelievable in the sense of like why wow, you can't believe that this kind of stuff happened but they did happen to her and i would be angry yeah <laughs> and she's not and that's the thing that's incredible is that yes she is able to like point out her flaws like she mentions at one part of the book some decisions that she made some things that she said that she wishes she hadn't have said but also like equally calls out her her family as well which is very admirable and very brave yes and i i feel like she's very open about how she emotionally struggled to deal with her family situation and her uh you know wanting to go on and pursue education which has been very freeing for her and given her something to pursue but also her her family has this kind of disowned her well they did disown her mm-hmm. and she spends a year she says watching buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> on netflix and i was like yes that's how i would deal with my problems too Absolutely. i relate to you <laughs> One thing we talked about, too, earlier was how a lot of, in the vein of people saying, I don't believe that this happened to her, it just kind of falls into the tradition of people not believing women's stories. Yes. Which definitely. is the thing. 
I mean, I feel like in the wake of the Me Too movement that there should be a trickle down for other types of abuse, not just sexual abuse of different kinds, because she was emotionally and physically abused and her family would tell her, no, you don't remember that. Your brother didn't hurt you. That's Mm -hmm. you're a horrible, evil woman because you would say that about, you know, the man who's supposed to be like someone you look up to and they didn't believe her. And then she would go and talk to other people and they're like, yes, that totally happened. And then this person turns around and tells her family, oh yeah, you know, Tara, she's a bad influence and evil. She has left the faith and all of this different things. And uh, it's like she's being shut down and she really grew to doubt herself and doubt her own history. Did these things actually happen to me? And we're talking about like broken bones and her face being smashed into the toilet and Mm -hmm. a lot of horrible things that people said didn't happen to her and and I just can't I just can't even talk about you know how horrible that would be to have someone say oh actually no you're lying that didn't happen to you emotional abuse is a big part of this book and I think that emotional abuse is something that happens to a lot of people and it's not really talked about and I think the reason it's not talked about is because it's not really visual right like, how do you prove that someone's emotionally abusing abusing you? Um, so I thought that that was also... I was also glad she brought that up because I think it's something that people need to pay closer attention to as well. I especially think since emotions are more considered feminine rather than masculine, that emotions yeah. have been downplayed a lot or not taken seriously, or since it didn't physically hurt you, then it can't have hurt you and all of these different lies that people say about emotions. But... All of the things she had to go through, going from isolated to, you know, Cambridge, going from her family to having no family to going to and, you know, uh, having her financial support of her parents to having none, all these different things. And it's no, I don't even know how she's still sane, honestly, because that's a really difficult situation to make your way through in your early 20s. I think, again, I think she's just really brave for writing this book and I'm I'm glad that so many people are reading it, and I hope it does raise awareness for these really important issues. And I think we could talk about this book for a long time. I mean, we have already been talking about this book for a long time. We have. <laughs> we we spared you the ranty uh, rabbit trail bits, and I've tried to boil it down to these topics that we really wanted to talk about. But we would highly recommend Educated by Tara Westover and... It is an amazing book. It's an amazing book. We hope you read it with an open mind. Um, and a, I don't know. I just think it's amazing. An audiobook, of course, is great. The audio, the narrator is great as well. So that brings us to the end of audiobook month. I say this every month, but it's crazy that we're already over, like, finished recording this. So next month, we are going to be reading books on food. So... Yeah, you know, as Autumn said, at some point, if there's anything we love more than books, it's food. That is very true. That's true. So be sure to be on the lookout for that episode. And if you have any audiobooks that you would recommend to us or things that you have read for the Reading Woman Challenge or anything during Reading Woman Month, uh, definitely send us a note at hello at readingwomenpodcast.com. And uh, if you haven't already, please review us on your podcatcher of choice, especially um, Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us and gives us a little bump in that unknown mystery that is the algorithm. (laughs) Mysterious ether. 
Also, check out our newsletter for our most anticipated books of each month. We also do book reviews and give you advance notice of our discussion books for each month and a lot of different things that we do there. So you'll find that all in our show notes. And that's it for this episode. As I mentioned, join us next time where we will be talking about books about food. And in the meantime, you can find Reading Women on social media at The Reading Women. You can also find us at readingwomenpodcast.com. You can find Kendra at Katie Winchester and me at Autumn Privet. And thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon.